The scripture reading today is from Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's an excerpt from chapter 6, which you can find printed on page 15 of your bulletin in its entirety. Before we read that, let's pray together. Dear God, our Father in heaven, we come before you with great anticipation and hope as we get ready to read your holy scripture. We thank you for all the ways you communicate with us. We ask you to give your special blessing to Jim today as he delivers your message to us and your in a meditation on the scripture passage. We ask you to help us to hear, to understand, and to be transformed by what we hear. We thank you for these blessings. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Starting with the 10th verse. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. This is the word of the Lord. Many of you know that every week uh, here at Geneva, a few minutes before our worship service begins, we have a little gathering up here uh, in front uh, where the musicians and, and worship leaders uh, for the day uh, pray together. And so some of us are there every week and, and others rotate in and out. And uh, we've kind of had a little running joke uh, happening in these gatherings for the last few months. Uh, before the worship leader prays, uh, I often say, uh, could you pray for the preacher today? And then the worship leader says, uh, who is that? And then I say, it's me. You know, pray for me. Uh, and uh, one reason I've been, I've been doing this is really based on the, the scripture that we just heard uh, and that we've been listening to over these past uh, several weeks. Uh, at the end, uh, have you noticed uh, that the Apostle Paul asks for prayer uh, for his own preaching of the gospel? You know, I figure if it was good enough for Paul, you know, I probably should do it too. Uh, so today we're, we're looking at this uh, text one uh, final time uh, on the armor of God, and we're considering the last piece of the armor, the, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, Paul says. But notice how Paul goes immediately from the Word of God in verse 17 to praying in verse 18. He says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. If, if you're looking at another uh, translation, you might find that verse 18 
uh, begins a new sentence and a new paragraph, uh, and it's separated out uh, from that final piece of the armor. Uh, but I think that the ESV gets it right here in keeping uh, these together. Uh, this is the only offensive weapon in the armor uh, that Christians are told to wear into spiritual battle. And what is the power of this sword? Uh, it's, it's the power of speech. Uh, God's speech to us and our speech back to him in prayer, both in the power of the Holy Spirit. He says it's the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit. Notice how the, the Holy Spirit holds it all together. So as we conclude this series today, let's consider three final things uh, that we need to learn about how to put on the armor of God in and through prayer. First, uh, I want to talk about the preparation of prayer. Second, the purpose of prayer. And third, uh, I'll end with just a few things about the practice of prayer. The preparation of prayer, the purpose of prayer, and the practice of prayer. Let's begin with the, the preparation of prayer. And let me explain what I mean. Praying... Uh, in our culture, especially uh, in response to tragedy, uh, is sometimes ridiculed uh, by secular critics, uh, critics of religion, uh, who uh, sometimes see it as an inadequate substitute for taking action. Uh, for example, after the horrible shooting that took place earlier this year at a Christian school in Nashville, the New York Times columnist David French, who, who himself is a Christian living in Nashville, he wrote about how some responded to calls to prayer, to pray. Uh, uh, people who said, you know, spare us your prayers. Uh, we demand action. Do something about gun violence. No more thoughts and prayers. And it's true that if prayer is just a substitute for action, something you do instead of taking action, uh, then it's only a, a placebo, and it, it's probably not something to be taken seriously. But in response to this point, David French argued that this is not why Christians pray. He said, for the faithful believer, prayer isn't a substitute for action, it's a prerequisite for action. And he goes on, confronting an immense tragedy can make us feel small. It can make us feel helpless. How do you comfort a community in pain? How do you respond to a parent who lost a child? How do you know when to speak or what to speak? And he went on to argue that, that prayer uh, prepares us to, to say and to do what these heartbreaking kinds of situations require. Uh, they prepare us to act with wisdom and, and patience and compassion. Prayer grounds us in God's eternal presence before we move to serve others, before we speak, before we organize. In prayer, we, we bring our needs to the creator of the universe, uh, the one whom Christians believe uh, has more power to, to bring change to this world than any president or, or congressman. And in prayer, we open ourselves to be changed in relationship to him. Especially in response to tragedy, Prayer is a tangible act of faith that helps us to express grief, but also hold on to hope and to do both of those 
together. And throughout our study of the armor of God, we've seen uh, especially the way in which those two things are held together, how both grief and hope uh, can coexist. Uh, we see this first in, in the realism in Paul's description of the armor of God, the, the setting of the armor of God uh, with the, the recognition that we live in a broken and, and suffering world. There, there are spiritual forces of evil at work, he says. Uh, but second, uh, as we've seen over and over again, there's a strong hope that the armor reminds us of, that there's a hope that comes from outside ourselves. The gospel message that Jesus died and is risen again offers a source of light and life no matter what trouble we may face. Now, this is why the only offensive weapon of the armor is the word of God. It's the message of the gospel as it's revealed in the scriptures. When you take this sword in your hand, uh, you're ready uh, to engage the spiritual battle. But as we've seen, it's a very paradoxical kind of battle because the emphasis isn't on what first that we do, but on what God has done for us that enables Christians to stand firm. And the ultimate victory is already won in the death and resurrection of Christ. And so Christians go to fight with the gospel of peace. They wear Christ's righteousness, not their own. They place their faith in God's faithfulness. And so in Romans 8, Paul can say that in this time, between the times, the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. And he says in Romans 8, 26, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Christians stand in this place of tension between what God has already accomplished in the person and work of Jesus and the full redemption of the world for which we wait. This is the theme of the Advent season that we've been celebrating. We're not simply waiting for Christmas. We're waiting for Jesus to come again to make all things new. The Christmas story reminds us that he has come once, and so when we struggle with all the ways in which this world still needs, he needs healing, we pray, come, Lord Jesus. We live in the space between these two arrivals of the king. The Episcopal preacher Fleming Rutledge captures this tension uh, in the quote on the Reflections page today. She says, The church lives in Advent. That is to say, the church lives between two Advents, two comings. Jesus Christ has come. Jesus Christ will come. We do not know the day or the hour. If you find this tension almost unbearable at times, then you understand the Christian life. We live at what the New Testament depicts as the turn of the ages. In Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God is in a head-on collision with the powers of darkness. The point of impact is the place where Christians take their stands. That's why it hurts. That's why the church has to take a beating. It is the Advent clock that tells the church what time it is. The church that keeps Advent is the church that is most truly herself. This brings us to the purpose of prayer. I, I think it's very deliberate that Paul ends his reflection on the armor of God by encouraging prayer. 
Uh, prayer is the, the primary way that practically we put on this armor. In verse 18, Paul encourages praying at all times, and he talks about keeping alert with all perseverance. He, he often speaks about prayer in, uh, in this kind of way. In Colossians 4.2, he says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with thanksgiving. Uh, in 1 Thess- Thessalonians 5.17, he says, pray without ceasing. Praying for Paul is a, is a way of staying awake, uh, keeping alert to what really matters. It's not just our only set times of prayer, but it's something that's woven into the whole of life. It's more of a lifestyle of prayer, an, an orientation of our lives towards God. And this fits with what we've seen about the armor. In a troubled world, uh, we're told to direct our hearts and our minds toward all these reminders of what God has accomplished for our salvation in Christ, his truth, his righteousness, his peace, and to, to wear them, to, to put them on, to put on Christ. And prayer is like a compass that helps you to orient your, your life towards these deeper truths. And this is especially important when uh, life feels unstable or insecure. And for times like we are living through uh, today as a world, as a society. The historian Kyle Harper has written extensively about the life of the early Christians in the Roman Empire, uh, living in the midst of plagues and political turmoil. And he says this, what was important to the early Christians during the plagues was to orient one's life toward the larger story, the cosmic story, the story of eternity. They did live in this world, experienced pain, and loved others. But the Christians of that time were called to see the story of this life as just one of the stories in which they lived. The hidden map was this larger picture. This is what I think Paul means when he says, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, keeping alert, a prayer is not just uh, expressing your feelings to God, though it certainly can be that, but it's being formed by this map of Scripture, this larger story. Paul is saying, orient yourself towards the larger story, the cosmic story, God's story of eternity. Let this be your real hope. Not just the story of advancing your career or, or checking off your bucket list or whatever might dominate your heart and mind from day to day. Remember the larger story in which you live. When you embrace this story, the, the story of the gospel, you have a source of hope and joy because in this story, God is always the primary agent and actor. This is what we've seen through all the defensive gear of the armor of God. And the reminder that we're invited to be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, the way in which Paul begins this whole section. We also see this in Paul's request for prayer for himself. And his subtle reminder here that he writes this letter from prison. In verse 20, he says, I am an ambassador in chains. He's in prison. 
So it's, it's somewhat surprising, perhaps, that he doesn't say, you know, pray that I might be set free from these chains. Pray that I might be released from prison. Instead, he asks the Ephesians to pray that he might continue to pro- proclaim the gospel in prison. And twice, he, he asks for boldness there to, to proclaim the gospel. Now, the word boldness in English can mean two different things, and the same is true in Greek. Uh, boldness can mean especially clear, like bold-faced type, uh, but boldness can also mean you know, to be courageous. And I think Paul wants both of these things. He's seeking clarity about the, the message of the gospel and also the courage to keep proclaiming it. Paul's priority, whether he was in prison or not, was that the story of God be told and the gospel proclaimed about who Jesus was and what God had accomplished through him. It's not that he wasn't suffering in prison, I'm sure, but he believed that God could accomplish his purposes even in those difficult circumstances. And he asked the Ephesians to pray to that end. This is also an invitation to view our our own lives and our own circumstances in in this kind of way. How might we pray uh, like Paul when we face sickness or trouble, praying not first and only for healing or peace, but for boldness to proclaim the mystery of the gospel in the midst of our circumstances, or whatever they may be? How might we ask God to create opportunities for the gospel to shine out even when we are in darkness, uh, to use even our, our hard circumstances to reveal the beauty, the compassion, the grace of Jesus? I think you can only really pray like this if you believe in the message of Christmas that we look forward to, that, the God, that God came uh, to bring life and joy uh, to the world despite our circumstances, despite human injustice and sin, that he has not left our world alone, he's not forsaken us, that he's always moving near to us, moving towards us in his grace and his compassion. So one final thing today, how do we practice uh, a life of prayer like this? Do you notice the, the repetition of the word all in our text today? In verses 18 and 19, Paul says, uh, take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. There's a a comprehensiveness to Paul's approach to prayer here. It's prayer at all times. And certainly... This includes regular times of, of daily or, or weekly or, or monthly prayer. And we'll be continuing in the new year, by the way, our, our monthly uh, evening prayer service on the first Wednesdays of the month. And it's uh, been a wonderful uh, thing to gather in those ways. But this, this prayer that Paul sees is taking place at all times here is, uh, is just not at, at regular uh, Uh, times throughout the month or throughout the day, it's also prayer that's woven moment by moment into all of life. 
And Paul refers also to all prayer and supplication. It, you know, it, it's prayer that takes many varied forms. It doesn't always look like what we do here on a Sunday or at a prayer service. God welcomes uh, our prayers of every sort, uh, whether it's an hour of prayer or a, a minute of prayer, a moment of prayer, uh, all prayer and supplication. And we're called to pray with all perseverance, being alert and never giving up. This is a recognition that uh, prayer is hard, that there's a battle going on and we are so easily discouraged or distracted. And in these moments, uh, we can turn inward. We can become self-protective, self-concerned, uh, and uh, we can forget the, the invitation to bring all our needs before God. Uh, but the invitation is always there. And when Paul says we are to make supplication for all the saints, he's encouraging us to, to remember that whatever needs we may have, uh, we're invited to turn away from ourselves, to grow in love by lifting up the needs of others in, in unity with all of God's people. So let me offer something very practical about practicing this kind of prayer. One way uh, that Christians have traditionally put prayer into practice is through a routine of, of morning prayer or, or devotions or evening prayer that includes reading scripture and, and praying. And that's a, a very good thing, and I, I highly recommend it. And I follow this kind of pattern myself in my, in my own devotional life. However, as I, I've shared before, in recent years, what I found even more important than set times in the day for prayer is having a verse or, or a short phrase or even just a word, like, like the name of Jesus, that can focus my mind on God's presence in various moments of the day. And this kind of prayer practice has deep roots in the faith. Going back to the, the Egyptian desert fathers, they recommended using a verse like uh, Psalm 70, verse 1, is a traditional one. Oh God, make haste to help me. Oh Lord, make speed to save me. And then making it a habit to bring that verse to mind throughout the day. Oh God, make haste to help me. Oh Lord, make speed to save me. And it could be many other verses uh, that speak to you. You might find that there's a word uh, that speaks to your heart in a particular season. Uh, whatever it is, uh, it's an opportunity, an invitation uh, to remember that God's presence is with you, uh, that he invites you to listen to his voice and to speak to him. When we think about the practice of prayer in this way, rather than simply as uh, a religious duty, it has the power to engage us in new ways. Prayer becomes a way in which we bring our hearts into God's presence in order to, to discover what, what voices we're listening to, whether we're listening to the still small voice of the Spirit. As we practice prayer, as we read the scriptures, as we take the language of scripture and turn it into prayer, we sort through our often confused priorities, our needs, and we learn how to put our loves in the right order. And when we are clear that, that the one thing that is necessary for us above all else is to know God's love, to love him in return, 
then we can let go of the many things that make us anxious and troubled in order to rest in God's gracious presence, to stand firm in the ups and downs of life. This is what Jesus promised his disciples in John chapter 14. He promised not to leave his disciples as orphans. Uh, He said he was going away to the Father, but that the Father would send the Holy Spirit. Uh, And he says this, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. As we await Jesus coming again, friends, this is the assurance that he gives us, the peace that he offers. Do you believe this? Let's believe it together. Let's pray. Our Father, in in the midst of darkness, we thank you that your light always shines, and we look to your light today. Uh, We pray that you would help us to put on your armor of light, to be clothed in Christ, to know all that you have provided for us, to be his followers, to live in a way that reflects your grace and your love in our lives. Uh, We uh, pray that you continue to teach us and to show us your ways, uh, that we might honor you in all things and live to your glory. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.